Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm pleased to have your company. I have a special guest in the studio. His name is Lewis Stretton. Lewis, welcome to the program. Welcome. I'm glad to be here, Dan. <laughs> Great. Good, good to have you here. Now, you are a local guy, aren't you? Yes, I'm local to the Lake Macquarie area. I've lived here most of my life. My family has moved down when I was six years old from Cowra. That was where I was born. And Cowra? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can you remember much about Cowra? Uh, well, I have a few vague memories, but it's no, I feel like... It's funny, though. I've always enjoyed the country. There's something about my heart that's always wanted to go back out there now. But, I, yeah. yeah, we've been out there a few times. But, yeah, most of my memories, I was only six, so it's very, I guess you can say that you just, it's like you just, that part of your life just flies by. So Sure, sure. Mm. So uh, you're a local to our area, so you didn't have to travel too far this morning. What are you doing here at the moment? Oh, well, I'm studying up at Newcastle Uni, doing secondary education doing a major in visual arts. Uh, visual arts? Mm. Okay, it's interesting. So have, have arts always attracted you? Yes, well, ever since I was very little, I've always had a, yeah, just a knack for just cre- like drawing and creativity. I've always loved to just to get my hands on different things and just that it's, yeah, I've, when I was, I think I was 10 or so, I was actually doing art classes with um, one of the local members at, of my dad's golf club that it okay. went down here so yeah I've had yeah I've always had a just a passion for the visual arts and it's ever since then it's just grown and I've just wanted to be able to share that into okay so can, mm. well I admire that greatly because as far as art is concerned my level of creativity when it comes to painting or drawing or sketching was never that good I probably frustrated my teacher a little bit because I just lacked the skills and the ability to do it. I didn't have those talents. So I admire that when I can see it. And I can admire good good art, you know. But me, myself, to create it, not so good. So, yeah, well well done. And obviously that's a, that's a passion for you and that's a, a gift that God has given you as far as you know, your natural endowments are concerned. Mm, I've, been, I've definitely been blessed with just the, the way to visualize different things. And I've just, yeah, I've, been, I've just been able to, yeah, God's given me some skills to be able to just to bring that into fruition and to actually mm. use it. And yeah, I'm just hoping that yeah, this next part of my life I'll be able to just bless others with that ability that the God's given me. I, yeah, yeah, that's good. Now I, you know, I can see it, and then how people can actually visualize it and then transform it onto a page or a canvas. Uh, is remarkable and yeah that's that's a gift i don't have so well done now you mentioned that uh, the golf club and how were you involved with golf or was that through your dad well um my dad is one was one of the local golf pros up at morissette sadly that um has finished up now but yeah yeah so 
yeah, I've been ever since I was very young. I've always gone in there and I've helped out doing different things with with um just with my dad's business down there. And no, I've ever yeah, I was actually a junior there once upon a time, and I really was one of my main passions when I was younger. Just loved to get out there and have a hit, and it was something of yeah, I loved to I looked up to my dad and what he did, and I also. Yeah, I guess I had high expectations. Or obviously, you think I, you're becoming a golf pro well, yourself? At one, one stage, I was quite keen on. I wanted to, yeah, I really wanted to do, just. I wanted to be like a couple of those people you'd see on the big screen, like your Tiger Woods. Woods, and, okay, yes. Yeah, but I guess I, I don't know. I always got frustrated very quickly when I when that something didn't go right, and you'd see me out on the chipping green just hacking away. And I guess no, I found that. Yeah, it probably wasn't my cup of tea, but I, I always I do love to go out now and again to just to enjoy a hit with friends. Yeah. It's a lot more relaxing now that you're not playing competition or doing different things it's, like that. So. It's good when you can relax and enjoy the game because I've gone out there. I'm more of a hacker than a golfer and I haven't played for a few years now, but I know it's a psychological game as well as a physical game. So your timing has to be spot on, you know, and there's a lot of things. I reckon for the ideal shot, like a drive, there's about 360 things that have to go right. Now, that's a lot of technical things, you know, where you can just tweak and fine tweak things. I mean, the basics of it is you've got to swing mm. and follow through and you can't turn your head because then you'll, you know, slice or you might hook. Or <laughs> <laughs> and there's all these things that come into golf. But it's a great game. It's a good way to get exercise. You walk a few, quite a few kilometers if you're playing 18 holes. So yeah, It's good exercise. I think that was, uh, I think I, the exercise, I think I was, I got, I was covered. But um, besides that, um, the mental game will definitely it got de- it got to me a few times, but I think yeah. uh, there was a few um, what is it sword clubs and a few trees that might have got a hitting a couple <laughs> occasionally. So yeah, I know the funny thing is you know when you've got to chip through a tree and there's 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 plenty of air between the branches and the leaves. <laughs> The chances of hitting the branches is always higher, although there's probably less branch and more air mm. <laughs> to go through. It's, it's a psychological game. But it's a, it's a fascinating game just how you've got to, to learn to relax and uh, just you know don't let that little ball uh, stress you out, <laughs> little white ball, because your, your swings, you know, leading up to some practice swings, well, and sometimes you're not supposed to do that, but your practice swings are normally always very good until you line up to hit the ball proper, and then all of a sudden things can just go wrong. But practice, practice, and that's the way it is, isn't it? Through yeah, practice, it you become better and you improve and uh, you and more more in control. Mm. Uh, I think that sums it up pretty well, Edian. So. Yeah, okay. And life is like that in many respects. You know, the more you put into it and the more you repeat something, the better you become at it. And uh, we believe, obviously, in creation and recreation through mm. through Christ. But there's also something known as sanctification, which is the work of a lifetime. And you can improve in regards to the way you interact with others and the way you relate to God as well. And that's growth through knowledge and also through practice. Mm. And uh, that's what we call regeneration. So there's recreation and regeneration. But we, let's, let's, let's start with your story. Where, you, you mentioned a little bit where you were born. Mm. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family, uh, how many children and, and so on. So yes, I'm one of three kids. Um, so I've got an older sister and a younger brother. Yeah, um, I grew up in a Catholic family. So yeah, my mum and dad both went to Catholic churches when they were school. Um, in yeah, when they were younger. Mm. So yeah, I've had always had that influence. I've always known about Christ, and yeah, but I guess when you, when my mum and dad being um. They're of more of a modern Catholic, which I I guess they we ha- they have roots in um, Catholicism, but yes, yes. I guess we're we're more more involved in I guess your 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 modern day society and 
No, I guess for me, I yeah, Cap, um, Christ, I guess was just uh, another. Uh, he was obviously God, and he was his sacrifice for me. I I knew that that much, but mm. I never really had a relationship, or and I didn't actually know what the his sacrifice meant to my life. So right, understand. Mm. Okay, so you were you were raised with an awareness of God and mm. Christ, and um, you know some of the some of the basics. But as far as, you know, that personal relationship they want to offer, that can be for many people, even in many churches. You know, they, they go through the, the motions, whether it be Catholic or Protestant. And uh, what they go through, say, if they go and worship on a Sunday or another time of the, uh, uh, of the week, it's more a traditional thing, and it's a good thing to do. But we also know, of course, that, that God offers us a lot more. Mm. And it's not until we taste and see that the Lord is good that we sometimes see, oh, I never knew this was on offer. Mm. Yeah, I, I've, I definitely didn't. Yeah, just didn't have the taste for God. I guess when I was younger, I never really. Yeah, I might have. I knew about Him, but I never, never really um, wanted to go back and to actually know more about Him. It was just, yeah, you kind of just you get a little touch on your lips, and you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like. Yeah, Isn't that fascinating? It's when when there's two roads. Basically, the Bible says, and Jesus talks about two roads. There's the narrow, and there's a narrow gate to get into that on that road. Mm. But there's the broad road, it's the easy road, and that's the default road that we have because of our fallen humanity. But the view from here looking to the narrow road doesn't look very attractive. The, new, the view is unappealing, and it's not until you actually get on the road you see how fantastic it is. The, uh, the sales pitch, I guess, in regards to the view from the, from the, from the wide road is not that great. And uh, once you get there, you go, okay, well, there weren't bells and whistles when I came. But as I got closer, man, the substance and the beauty of the road and the joy that comes from it and the peace which the world cannot offer is, is unimaginable. But anyway, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about this. So you were brought up, you went to a government school or a Catholic school? Um, actually, I, was, I spent, I think, one year in um, one of the government schools. But my mum and dad thought it was best to send me to one of the private schools in the area. And it just okay. happened so that... The nearest private school to us was the Seventh Day Adventist um, school down in Kurumbong. So, oh, okay. Mm, so I was. I've actually yeah, ever since I was in Year One, I've been going there, and I yeah. So I graduated up up at, into Year Twelve at the Seventh Day Adventist. So you did all there. your schooling through that school there. Yes, okay. it was. Yeah, I've known all my most of my good friends have come through there, and I've yeah. It's just yeah, it's amazing. I've just. Growing up with, I have, yeah, knowing about the seven day Adventist faith and all mm. these other different, yeah, about Christ and things since I was very young. So, okay, so you had the, obviously the family influences being brought up as a Catholic, and then you've always go to a Christian school, seven day Adventist Christian school, mm. and you'd hear about Christ there fairly often. I guess they'd have worship services quite regularly and so forth as part of the uh, part of the program. Yeah, so they usually had, um, Worship on the Fridays in the primary school, and they have worship on the Mondays in high school. So I guess yeah, everywhere you you'd always have Christ around you, like in some way or form. And obviously, yeah, it was always a, a one of the main components that they yeah. Mm, have and prayer was part of the regular prayer was part of what they were doing as well. Well, yes, yeah, so I think we used to. Oh, trying to think now. It's a while ago, okay. but I know that yeah, we did have prayer that open up the days in high school in our. When our roll call, we used to have prayer before we go out for mm. our days. Okay, and, nice. Mm. So at that time, as you were going through this, uh, was the, uh, I guess, the, the taste you were getting still didn't really uh, make you curious enough to explore it further? So Christ was still 
part of your life, but more on the periphery than a, as a central part. Yeah, I think Christ was in the background of most of my life. Throughout primary school, I was too young and mature to realize, yeah, really think much about it, I guess. Yeah, you'd join in with worship, but you never really, like, I guess it was more of a, just a celebration. You kind of just got happy and that was it. But mm. And it's no, something you did with your mates from your class? And... Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, I mean, I don't know. A lot of my mates, I guess, yeah, we, they didn't, there wasn't too much, yeah, you didn't really talk too much about faith either. So I guess even in being in that, in, like, environment, I guess it, yeah, there wasn't a very, yeah, inclination of any, like, between me and my mates to actually mm. look into it much and, I guess at that stage in my life, I, yeah, I didn't really have too much of a relationship with many of the Seven Day Adventist kids either that was there because I guess, yeah, and it, what I did have, it was very just much like a, yeah, your usual sort of like relationship we have in society. Not, you're mm. not. So a secular, basically a secular environment with, I guess, religion as a bolt-on, basically, yeah, which yeah. is something on the on the on the outer perimeter, mm-hmm. which you occasionally were exposed to, but it wasn't really a a living principle in the life. Yeah, well, there wasn't okay. there wasn't very much to actually um, delve delve into for me. I didn't really find it was important or necessary. I guess in mm. my life, uh, it was once something that you just had to put up with, and you went through school knowing that yeah, worship was coming. You'd have to, you'd sit on your chair. I guess you'd look forward to it as a young kid, but I know that when you get into high school and things, it just became a drag for a lot of kids. And okay. I guess I found that. Oh, I mean, I, I'm a very enthusiastic guy. Usually, I try to, you know, get have fun whenever I can. So. I, I guess I tried to. I tried to for at least a little while. I tried to keep. Yeah, I used to, well, dance with the songs and sing along. And I guess, but yeah, you just, you just definitely didn't feel. It didn't feel like the same either the way it did mm. in primary school. So, yeah, you can definitely see that for me. I could sense that. Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, I started making me think at least what like it didn't. Yeah, that relationship wasn't really there. I think, sure. So. so was there anything that sort of stands out during your time at school that you say that the uh, Lord started speaking to your heart or, you know, you got uh, attracted to God and uh, dis- distracted a little bit from the world? Well, I guess I had to... <laughs> uh, the, I wasn't searching for God when I found him, I guess. The thing mm. is... I had you weren't to, searching for him. No, well, okay. I don't. I don't think I was ever really um, wanting to find God. I guess even the even being at this Christian environment, I never was. It was never in my intention to ever go looking for God. I sure. Think. And you didn't even think there was a God maybe looking for you. No, well, definitely. <laughs> did. Out of all that, it was definitely so far out of the background. I wouldn't even notice what what's happening or what's mm. going on and his influence in my life. But looking back, I can. Yeah, it's just interesting to see how the Lord's led me so far. So yeah, wow. And as you were growing up, were there any distractions? You know, because there's a lot of pitfalls that uh, young people need to avoid nowadays. You know, things that could be distracting or even detrimental to health and well-being and even social life. Was there anything uh, that you were exposed to at your times where you had to, you know, make a decision one way or the other? Yeah. So for me as a young kid, I, well, yeah, most of my youth in primary school, I was pretty much just. Yeah, I just got by just having fun, and I guess it wasn't too serious at that stage. School and life were just a breeze, but as soon as I got into high school, I think my mindset started to change. There was this whole new reordering of the social hierarchy, I guess. You kind of you kind of think, like, who's going to be the top dog or who's going to be popular or not. I, I think I got dragged in with that, and it was 
yeah, I think that was one of the pitfalls that I found that really led to a lot of the problems I had throughout my my early teens and into my okay. my later youth. It was that which really um, just yeah distracted me a lot from like yeah being the person that I could have can be and like and I I found from that that stage onwards yeah most of the piles just piled up on t- and most problems kept piling up on me and yeah it was very difficult for me as a young kid to manage it all so mm-hmm. yeah I guess it's a challenge for many children I mean all all ages I guess have probably gone through that but and particularly nowadays the importance of being able to fit in to be accepted and also the desire to be popular I mean everybody would like to be popular and, and liked no one would say that they want to be disliked so uh, going through those challenges I mean there's a lot of things to navigate and from time to time if you have high expectations as well of yourself you can actually beat yourself up if you don't quite uh, live up to your own personal expectations. And is that sort of uh, what you were going through at the time when you were working through some of these things, you know, wanting to see who's the top dog, who's going to be the most popular, and if they are, if I can't take that spot to be friends with the person that is, was that sort of, am I summing it up, or help me help me out here? No, it was, it, I think you were banging on there, Ian. I just, yeah, for me as a young kid, it was just trying to, yeah, f- yeah, I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to find friends, and I guess when you when you're young, you kind of feel like the more friends, the better. And I I really so I the the way I just try to yeah find my new role in like in my own little like in the new class that I had the new way of looking at life. I I kind of found that for me, I I was I naturally had a way of trying to yeah make people laugh of being a little bit silly occasionally. So okay, I kind of the way I try to fit in with the. So is, you were a bit of an entertainer. Well, yeah, I guess I I found my my belonging with these group of what you could say just your usual class clowns and for me um yeah so around year eight and nine I was that's that's what I kind of yeah kind of like sunk into that's the mm. role I kind of started to play and. I guess it worked out all right. I found a lot of people liked me. They, they, you know, I, I hanged out with a few of the more popular kids. But I guess, yeah, it was interesting though. I those friends um, didn't really seem like friends after a while. Like it was int- like I've kind of I found that what that friendship that I did have with them it, it turned sour quite quickly, which I. Which led to a few other problems down the road. So, mm. and that's a challenge nowadays. You know, we all want to have friends, and we want to have a certain level of loyalty. You know, a little bit of give and take in that regard. And quite often, when you know things might go a little bit difficult for us, then we find out who the ones are the lasting friends. And those are normally the the friends. I often found them. Sometimes they were even on the periphery. Mm. Some of them, and they were the quieter ones. But those are the ones that were more loyal than some of the others. You know, the life of the party types, they may be sincere even in what they have to say about what they do, but they get distracted so easily. And then before you know it, it doesn't really manifest itself in a like a loyal friendship because they're so distracted and they forget about some of the difficulties that some of the other friends might be going through. <laughs> exactly. I think, yeah, I, really, those those friends, what happened was to me, I, I found that those friends were just, it was kind of, they were using me as well for their own means. Well, yeah, they were trying to become popular, the same as everyone else. And mm. I think, well, yeah, because I was trying to, we we're all trying to be funny and joke. I found that, 
yeah, instead of the just joking about different things around us, we start. I felt like it got it got very um victim victim. I got victimized. So it was a, a little bit of a sledging as far as you yeah, know. Sometimes I, taking the Mickey out of other people. You know, yeah, well, I, I don't know if you use that term nowadays, but you know, uh, at the expense of someone else. Well, yeah. So I, I found that I was uh, getting victimized at the expense of just being yeah trying to make a joke. And hmm. I guess for a young kid, I yeah you could try to rub it off, but um eventually it really it really yeah, hit hard in my heart, and I really found that. Yeah, I I sunk deep with that. I obviously those friends when I when I stopped yeah going along with all these jokes and things, I found those friends forsook me, and and I eventually I was left mm. by myself. And so these are scathing jokes, and you know, in every joke, sometimes I say there can be an element of truth in it. So they they're making a joke. And they they they're acting like they're joking, but there's also a little bit of uh, venom sometimes in the joke. And I've, I've I had friends, you know, where we used to uh, do a little bit of sledging. And the more you can put down the other person in a in a joke, the funnier it was. But really, then I met some new friends, and uh, their idea was, "He's your friend. Why would you ever want to put them down, even in a joke? That's not what friends do." And I, it just gave me a different perspective on life, you know. And so I can I can sort of relate a little bit to what you're saying, and there may be some other people out there listening at the moment as well that can relate to that, you know. Um, we are all born with a fallen human nature. There's an egocentricity that we have within ourselves, which is selfish, uh, which we've just inherited. That's our default position. And there's only really one power that can change it. Sometimes circumstances will bring out the, the harshness of that, um, of that egocentricity. When we experience it from others, we become very aware of it. But when we are manifesting it towards others, sometimes we lack awareness. And the Lord can sometimes use some of these experiences to, uh, to create a little bit of awareness and think there must be a better way. Mm. Mm. So how do you what, what happens to you as you start going through this And you start noticing some of your friends Are not really the friends that you thought they would be The loyalty is not there What happens to you as a person Well at this stage um, Yeah so those thoughts uh, Those criticisms and those Yeah what you would say Your yeah, your jokes that were They threw on me I, Obviously they, they struck hard on my heart And I found And what happened is Like you said There's an element of truth And I started to really I get attached to myself to those things and they started to get repeated in my heads and and I fell I felt and the more they they stuck there the more I fell deeper and deeper into a in sort of a depression and I mm. so yeah I, and that's the thing um I didn't have anyone that really to support me in my friend group my my family didn't know sadly I didn't let any they kind of just assumed that I was okay you so this was an internal struggle and sort of a torment you were going through but outwardly probably a lot of people weren't even aware of that especially initially but as you started internalizing it and thinking these things through it obviously had quite an effect on your psyche and your emotions mm, no I I didn't want anyone to know I didn't want to drag anyone down with me and Sadly, it got to the stage where I just, yeah, I wanted to give up, and but I was, yeah, I was too cowardly to actually take my life, and I thought I just, I pleaded with God. Uh, this is the first time I thought about God, and in most of my, yeah, youth, like when I was, and um, the fact is, I just wanted, I needed guidance. I needed someone to just uh, help me out because I, I had no idea what I was doing. It was, I was just helpless, and. I think I was at home when I decided that I was. I just wanted to give up, and I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to do anything with myself. And I, and I think my, I was lucky. My mum, she comes in that that's the night when I was praying, and I asked someone come and rescue me. And I, my mum was yeah. She's she come in. She lifted me up. She's she just she talked with me for a few hours, and we started to. She just started. She brought my spirits back up, and I, I guess from then on. So how did your mum know things were wrong? 
well, I don't. I think as a mother's mother's instinct when she comes in, like, well, that's the thing. I was. I think she was trying to call us out for dinner and what one that that time. Yeah, obviously I wasn't coming out. I I wasn't up for any, like the the talk to anyone. I really, and I think my mum comes in and when she saw me on my bed and just like crying, she obviously I think any mother's instinct. She kind of mm. she felt that yeah there was yeah there's something wrong here and I. And I, I do feel like my mother was like an angel to me that day. She kind of mm. lifted me up and she, she patted me down and she helped me just to, just to realize, like, to reason with this and to try to overcome it. And I think God, and that, that was obviously, that was an omen from God that He actually was, He was thinking of me. And I think, and obviously, yeah, you don't realize at the time that, yeah, that mm. was, that was a way that God was working in. But sadly, uh, um, my, my problems only got worse from there. I actually, after God had yeah, helped me find my feet again, I kind of forgot about Him again. He just obviously, I, I, I definitely knew, like, definitely knew that He, he, he was, he was more, it was closer, but He was still, He was still behind me. He was still mm. not actually um, that involved in my life at this stage. So. Right, understand. So for a while there, God helped you, and uh, once you got back on your feet. Then it was easy to forget, and I think this is the the challenge we have as fallen human beings. That's why, and if you look in the Bible, especially God encourages people to remember their history, remember the way that God has led in the past, even His past teachings, the things we've learned from Him. Mm. But like you, I myself, and no doubt, dear listener, uh, perhaps in your life as well, you would have gone through experiences that where you know God maybe has helped you out, but we quickly forget and. After a while, we can easily write these events off just as natural things that have happened, and there was no intervention from God at all when there was, and then we, we robbed him of his glory. So what happens is after that, you say things get worse. Yes, yeah, so, uh, so my mum did take me to counselling. Um, that helped for a little while, but like I was saying, that you, I had those thoughts still from when I was in my childhood for those kids that were bullying me that I found that, I let those those thoughts. I couldn't stop them from coming in my head. They kept. Mm. It was like a never-ending repeat of what. And I, obviously, like I said, I, I even though I had fought, I was getting strategies to try to what is it ignore deal, deal, deal with, with them. Yeah. yeah, I I still wasn't able to actually put them away. I wasn't able to get get rid of it entirely. And so your emotions attached to those memories was significant, very great. And mm. from a logical perspective, you couldn't bypass your emotions that were still connected to those those memories. No, I I, I was struggling. I and I, I didn't want to find um what is it? Didn't want to actually get like this time I was yeah, more determined to do it myself, thinking I found help. I'm not not going back again. I don't mm. want and I obviously it was that I obviously I found a new friend at group. I I reestablished myself, and I thought that I'd be fine. Obviously, yeah, I was only I was dealing with my my problems, and this was it was obviously there was this constant anxiety. But yeah, so I try to just ignore um, the problems that I was having and invest in schoolwork. Try mm. to find meaning and purpose in that. But yeah, I was obviously. The anxiety that I was already having kind of just got escalated by that. It kind of increased with the fact that the pressure I was trying to put on myself to get this schoolwork done. And yeah, obviously those insecurities I had before, I found that they would just get reinvigorated because I just didn't feel like I was doing good enough. I wasn't, yeah, I didn't feel perfect. I didn't feel right. I just didn't feel like I was cut out for this. And I and I always, leading up until my HSC year, this it really escalated and I... I went through severe spouts of depression throughout that as well, and mm. most of that um, I, I actually got medications for. And 
But um, well, listen, we just got to take a break here, and we're looking mm. forward to hearing uh, the second part of your story. You are listening to by the word of their testimony, and my guest in the studio is Lewis Stratton. And we'll just take a short break, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome to the minute that makes a difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference would it make if you made a habit of being grateful? Gratitude actually has measurable health benefits. For example, adults who keep gratitude journals on a regular basis exercise more regularly, they report fewer illness symptoms, feel better about their lives as a whole and are more optimistic about the future. Gratitude is actually a science and it's also ancient wisdom having way over a hundred mentions in the Bible. And there's a lot to be thankful for. Albert Einstein admitted that he needed to remind himself a hundred times a day that his inner and outer life depended on the labours of other people, living and dead. So cultivate gratitude. It makes a difference. Dear listener, thank you for staying with us. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest in the studio is Lewis Stratton. Now, Lewis, just before the break, you were telling us about how you're in your HSC year. You're trying to avoid some of the thoughts and things that have brought you down. You're suffering with depression, and things are not getting better. They're getting worse. Pick up the story from there and tell us what what's, what happens. Well, yes, I, I finally come to my HSC year. I've, I've nearly done the home run. I've but um, sadly, it's uh, it does it's this this part of my life is probably one of the darkest times of my life. It would be you'd think you'd be most excited to get everything over with, but my 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 the way I couldn't what I'd come to was I'd I'd come to what was it my trial exams and obviously this depression has got it just got as worse as it could get and then when it just all of a sudden I I just snapped and I thought that was I'm just gonna I have to get. This is it. I can't do this anymore, and I had to get it over with. I, I wanted to yeah, kill myself at, at some point in myself. I thought that it, life wasn't worth living, and and so it, like yeah, in my after my trial exams, I found that I was going to find it. I was going to find a way to kill myself. I'd fought it over, and I was going to say that's it. And I obviously I was I was committed, and I thought that yeah, I don't I can't go any further. I've got nothing else to give, and. Wow. So at this time, is there anything left in your life that's producing any level of joy or uh, enjoyment in life for you? Well, um, obviously, I, my friends, I, I kind of already gave up on them. I, by this stage, I kind of those friend, the new friends that I did find, I already I isolated myself from them because mm. I once I once again I thought that I didn't want the burden them with my baggages and all the different things that I was going through. And yeah, I yeah I kind of. Lost that connection with my family. I and with academics, so I didn't really find that I was doing as well. Like I was saying, I, I just wasn't good enough. I wasn't getting the marks I, I wanted to get. Like I wanted mm. to be the best out of them all. Cause I thought, I thought that would give me satisfaction, and it nothing, nothing really helped me find that. The satisfaction you're looking for was evading you. You weren't, you weren't able to find that in anything. No, it was. Mm. And even the family connections, I mean, you're, you're dear to your family, your family's dear to you. At that time, you're not even thinking about the family. If you were to take your life, the impact it would have on them and even friends, possibly. Well, yeah, like I was suffering with anxiety and depression. You're not, right. you're not very reasonable and you don't, sure. you don't really think about it. You think I'll be better off, they'll be better off without me and I and I'd better be like, and I think it's better for everyone that they don't have to put up with me because I was, wow. I, I hated myself at this stage. So I don't, mm. 
So, yeah. Well, praise the Lord, you're still here. So, obviously, something must have happened. Can you just take us from that stage and what happened subsequent to that? Well, um, from that stage, um, yeah, well, obviously, I already put it in my mind that I was going to, yeah, I wanted to end it. But um, it was interesting. Um, one of my, one of those new friends of mine uh, happened to come up to me at that stage in my life. Obviously, like I said, I'd isolated myself, but... It was interesting that this new friend of mine actually sought me out at this moment and he actually invited me because it was just after my trial exams and we were just about to go into holidays and it just happened that he invited me to go to one of the big camps, one of the SDA big camps. So this was one of my more religious friends, Jaden Green. Yeah, he was, and he actually, so at this stage I thought, yeah, I was thinking, yeah, nothing could really bring me out of the funk I was in, but yeah, something interesting happened in that moment. I found that, yeah, God was, yeah, prompted my heart to actually say, well, maybe give this a chance and maybe actually go out of your comfort zone and go with this new friend of yours and maybe you'll enjoy yourself. Give mm. yourself one last little moment of joy that you can actually have of life. And after that, if that doesn't work out for you, then you can give up. But yeah, so obviously at that stage, that was it. I, I actually kind of did a whole 360. I didn't, oh, and I gave myself to actually go to this camp and mm. yeah and I think from there Lord started working in some a mysterious way in my heart it was in, so yeah that's that that's that's the that was that's what initiated this change but obviously you thinking I'm going to there's another it's the last roll of the dice if mm. this doesn't change your work so the Jaden sell this to is a positive thing that you know what to expect when you go to big camp um well no I think he kind of left that a little bit open he wasn't Obviously, we weren't as fond with each other as we could were to this day. I think he real he, he didn't want to obviously try to push anything on me. And sure. He kind of just obviously I thought camps sound fun. I've been to like a camp before, so mm. I thought that yeah, just be a good way to relax and yeah, to forget mm. about everything. And maybe maybe I could just recenter myself and gather regather my thoughts and refocus on the next part of my life and yeah that was that's all I really come into it with thinking right. so yeah okay so uh, you go to camp not exactly sure what to expect except that the word camp obviously had some <laughs> relevance to you mm. and uh, what do you find when you go to camp well obviously my first impression was there was just this very like a very interesting aura or like a just this atmosphere that was surrounded the camp like Obviously, when I first arrived, I noticed there was so many happy and what is it, loving people around, and I obviously it confused me because obviously I didn't, I wasn't expecting. Obviously, in my state, I was. It was the last thing I was thinking to see all these people happy and like look like actually saying hello and like being so warm and friendly to me. And I, it start yeah. Obviously, my heart wasn't very receptive to much at that stage, but mm. obviously, it started warming up. To other people, and like over the course of that camp, I started, yeah, it started to cha- like started to open up to, to people again, and and like obviously I, I learned to actually learn to see the best in life. I was starting to, yeah, trying to actually gain what like meaning was to me in my life. I think mm. that was quite an interest. That was yeah, that was a, the first impression I had, and it was. Obviously, it was a lasting impression I felt for throughout that rest of that camp. Okay, so the friendliness of the people and the apparent genuineness in the friendliness and mm. the atmosphere around the camp impressed you. Was there anything else that had an impact on you while you were at camp? 
Well, that obviously that misfear was one thing, but I felt that w- that was just that wouldn't have done it for me. I felt mm. like that that opened me up to yeah understanding and to like to actually yeah to start to open up to what was going on around me. And what I found was yeah that that combined with a couple of speakers that at the night that they had at these camp meetings, I found that there was yeah that it just there was this enthusiasm and joy that the speakers had and. Can still remember the name of one of the pastors was an African American pastor Wade. He was he was actually he was t- yeah he was talking about salvation and it was the joy and the meaning it gave to your life and mm. it was interesting that that was that was something that just struck me. It was something that I was actually looking for for so long and I was amazed to think like it was just in my head. I was thinking what what why don't I have this? And then obviously that that thought struck with me and I was like. And I, I obviously I had my mate Jaden there, and he was obviously I actually I felt inclined to just ask him, "Is like, is this what you believe? What do you, what is it that gives you meaning and purpose in your life?" And he's he was he was taking me under his wing. He was actually trying to show me what his what what his faith was, and it was interesting as well as that. I found that there was there was people around like just across from it where our tent was. There was these was it Bible students, these Arise students, and. Arise students. It's one of our yeah the church programs I've 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 learned about like now and it's they actually had like they I went over to them and they started t- talking and taking me through what it meant to actually have a, like your purpose and what God had called us to and I remember there was one verse in particular that I was yeah I was quite amazed with it was Isaiah forty three seven it was it was saying that everyone who's called by my name who I've created for my glory I've formed him yes I've made him it was that that verse sunk, sunk into my heart and i realized that obviously i wasn't my i wasn't just a you know mistake i wasn't a, my life wasn't shameful i didn't have to live in shame but god had called us forth to a glory that yeah a glory that he had bestowed and something that he had that we could obtain as well and i realized that through further study that yeah this glory was something yeah, that we were able to obtain of the character. That was the glory in the character of Christ that mm. that He actually had put, planned in us and bestowed upon us. And yeah, you, in the beginning He created us in His image. And I, and that's something I didn't realize before. I didn't have that sense of value in myself or that belonging that I'd actually be able to be a part of something. And yeah, I realized that obviously He had a purpose for me. That was He had a purpose, and that was His character that would be fulfilled in me. And that. I found that obviously it made sense, like in that relation, like with the atmosphere of the people there, this loving mm. atmosphere. I felt like that's obviously it. That must be it. it's this sense of love and that's purpose to love one another. And yeah. obviously, I always felt a lack of love in my life. I never actually had that that deep intimacy and relationship that actually satisfied my purpose and belonging and meaning. And mm. more actually. That day, I decided I'm going to actually look into this Christ and actually to figure out for myself who He is and what He actually means to me. And and I think it was just it's amazing when you open up your heart to Christ just to see how He leads and how He mm. He works in just amazing ways. So, so it was the people and also the message mm. and the Word of God that spoke to your heart and started giving you a different perspective. That you know you weren't here for no reason. You weren't just a random thing that happened. That God created you for His glory, for His namesake. And this started thinking, maybe there's something better in store for me than I ever had realized. And the the way I'm going to discover this is by looking deeper into God mm. and Christ 
And let's see where this leads. Is this is this a good summary of it? Hey Amen. That's it. That's where I started. But obviously, the Lord is good. He he's been he's just been guiding me ever since then. I obviously we can't, the camp finished up sadly, and obviously I had to go back to school. So you really enjoy? You really ended up enjoying camp? <laughs> yeah. After after all, I didn't. I, obviously, I found yeah quite a just an amazing group of people there, an amazing message, and I I just really didn't want it to end. I felt like. If this is, this is it, I want to. I really just want to continue to grow, and mm. obviously from there, I I had to go back to school, so I sucked it up and I just went back in the car, packed up, and. But, okay, so are you traveling with Jaden and his yes, family? Yes, I was tra- traveling with Jaden and his family at this stage. So now, I'm curious, did Jaden know you were going through some stuff when he invited you to the program? Was he aware? Well, no one, no one was aware of what was going on. That's the, that's so, the, that's the miracle that I think the God wrought in that moment. I feel like He really, He was really looking over me, and He sent some of my way. Obviously, He, did, yeah, who would known that Jaden would have become one of my better friends today? And who, mm. would, yeah. But Jaden is a, a religious young man. He's a spiritual man. He's connected with the Lord, as far as I can tell. You know, I've, I've not interviewed him yet. Maybe I should interview him and let mm. him share his testimony. <laughs> but God obviously was able to use someone that had a relationship with Him. Mm. And in that moment when you probably needed it the most, because, I mean, things were pretty dire from what you've told us, mm. God was able to use one of his servants just with a simple invitation to come to a program. This program has had a significant impact in your life because this was the start of looking at the world through different eyes and looking at God through different eyes as well. But continue. So you're, you're, you've enjoyed the thing. You don't want it to end, but you've got to go back. You've got to suck it up. You've got to finish your HSC. What happens? So obviously at this stage I start, yeah, I go back to school. I try to reorganize myself, but obviously I've still, yeah, still got this burning in my heart, this desire to actually know about Christ. So yeah, I think with the assistance of my brother Jaden, my my mate Jaden, he was he actually took helped me and to find the connections and people in the school that could help. Obviously I went to an SDA school and I th- there was I I came to bond with the. What is it? The pastor, the 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 yeah, the chaplain, chaplain there. Yes. So uh, my chaplain, Pastor Brian, he was he actually took me under his wing, and I remember a few times, just like when I was feeling down during that that next course of those couple months with my HSC coming up, uh, he actually took me it, like took me in, and he, he answered all my questions and yeah, stuff about obviously yeah, just the yeah, I was just I didn't understand the whole, I had to change my whole worldview, so it was mm. it was quite interesting for me to actually realize yeah how the magnitude of what Christ actually impact on my life and I just I, I really just felt filled with this love and this wonder and and I just thought like I it just grew so rapidly over that next couple of months and yeah I had it was like with his assistance as well as my brother Jaden as well as what is it the um we also had a bible teachers there as well so yeah. I had personal bible studies with them and like it was just amazing that and like there was such a great support network for me, and I ended up from there. I, I was just thinking, I I don't want to wait. I wanted to just jump into God's family. I wanted to be born into what He had this this purpose and this love that He had for me. I wanted to be mm. all in. I couldn't. It was almost like I went from wanting to be all out to going straight it's in. All in. Yeah. Wow. So you were spending a little bit more time in the Word. You're doing a little bit more Bible study at this mm. time. Yes, I was. Yeah, like I said, I was. Yeah, I was having personal Bible studies with the Bible teacher there, as well as with the chaplain. He was. Yeah, he was quite amazing. I, I, I started to like pick up the Bible for myself the first okay. time I've done in ages, and obviously it was 
so yeah, I started to read it and it started, yeah, I read through the gospel, started reading about Christ and who he was and it yeah, started to find that relationship with him and actually had this, this personal connection like he was speaking straight to me. So Through his word. Mm, exactly. Mm, it just shows the power of the word. You know, as, as the Apostle Peter that says that we are born again not by corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Mm. So uh, wonderful, just the the power of God's word and the power of the influence of other people who are connected with him as well. So uh, you're doing HSC. You're now getting distracted by many good things, Bible study. You know, Mm. you're spending some time in talking and counseling and getting some feedback from the the, the chaplain there, from the Bible worker. You're doing your own personal reading as well through the Gospels. How is it going with the HSC? Is it distracting you from the HSC? I mean... Well, How do you find time for all of it? Well, actually, I found that obviously all that 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 time that I spent into stressing and anxiety and all that in my depression, I found that I was able to yeah put that time to good use now. Yeah, I put it? that time to good use, and I eliminated obviously that time that obviously the depression weighed down on not only just the time aspect, but I couldn't focus before, and now I I found that I was able to really actually. Yeah, what time I did spend it was studying. I found that it, all, it started to really actually make sense. It started to sink in, and mm. so yeah, it was just amazing the way that I was able to not. It, God was never actually, He never impeded me. He actually empowered me. So right, mm. praise the Lord. So okay, so that's having a positive effect on your mind, and then hopefully a positive effect on you having to do your final high school year as well, over the last few months of it, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it kind of. It all flew by that stage, and like it's actually crazy to think that yeah, just those couple months, like I I was yeah, just gave myself fully to the law, and I thought like it was only just when the HSC was literally coming around the corner. I thought I can't wait any longer. I was I was holding back this desire after the HSC. I'd be baptized, but literally within that the first week of my HSC, I went no, I've got to be baptized, and my my yeah, the pastor as well as the chaplain they. Yeah, they all they're saying, well, we can't hold this kid back. We've got to let him go. And right. And I think they were obviously, yeah, the chaplain went in. He went in with me. I asked him to go in the waters, and as well as my mate Jaden. And we had I invited all the people I knew. I just I was so excited, and I, and obviously, yeah, I went in that water, and I just thought this is the start of my new life. And I'll, so where were you baptized? I was actually baptized at Catherine Hill Bay. So, in the ocean. Yeah, it was in the ocean. I, I always wow. loved that area. It was just amazing, mm. and. Obviously, I've always had that that connection with nature, and I felt like it's yeah. And it was just that's interesting. That day it was supposed to be overcast. There was supposed to be bad swells coming in from like where we were going to um, baptize me, and we thought Mm. that I was going to get dunked before I even got baptized. (laughs) Okay. So, but the the interesting thing is within that day it actually it changed the weather. Obviously, it was overcast, but the the tide actually changed. It wasn't there wasn't swells, and when we went out there was. It was just beautiful and calm, and I was just amazed. Just that the Lord was—he was willing. He was really wanting me to come and just to embrace Him and to just to be baptized into this this new life that He has for me. And, and nothing could stop me in that moment. It was just amazing. So, mm. so this was on the weekend day that you were baptized. Yes, yeah, so this was on the weekend. I'm pretty sure. I, I can't remember the exact date, but I know it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was de- definitely was yeah in the midst of my HSC, so I, I had I had to get in whenever I could. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, praise the Lord. That is that's really encouraging. So uh, you you get your you, you get baptized. You're uh, you're doing your HSC. You completed your HSC. Can you tell us a little bit of what's happened subsequent to your decision for Christ and, and being baptized? Well, obviously, since my conversion, I've literally my depression has just 
just gone. I mm. and my anxiety. Well, I do. I think it's a inheritory thing. I think with my family, we do get stressed by a lot of things. But obviously, the stress that I did have for like like different things, it, like I didn't find stressful at all anymore. Mm. And, and even the things I did get stressed about, you know, just the Lord actually gave me strength to actually manage it and to get right. through it. Yes. And obviously, throughout that, I found it easier and easier to deal with different things and just amazing like obviously things i would never imagine myself doing he's actually just guided me and yeah just walked me through it so mm. well praise the lord that's wonderful so there's a uh, a, a bc and an ad mm, exactly. before christ and after christ yeah. yeah that's exactly right so i don't yeah never it didn't even end there i guess i obviously i, I definitely i went through all sorts of changes the next the next year or so after i finished my yeah what is it getting into the water i started to yeah obviously my spiritual life just in just rapidly increased or i found that i was able to what is it i i was struggling with different health problems as well and i i found that there was yeah obviously i started learning about what this like sda message had for me as well and what the bible said about health and I ended up yeah having that changing my diet and things and I found that I was able to yeah able to gain a bit more vitality in life mm. and clarity in my mind and yes it makes a big difference your diet doesn't it yeah it's amazing that like and then as well as that like I literally found I found that my I got with my anxiety I used to get angry all the time as well and I I found that with that reduce of stress and that reduce of all the pressures on myself. I found this peace and calm, and I found patience. I no longer just burst out in rage, and actually mm. be able to bring things through me, and like actually find the strength inside that Christ had brought to me. Like I was able to do all things through Him. So I was. Amen. Mm, it was. That's just a few of the things. The list is endless. I, I'm just amazed at just how the Lord has worked in my life. So. Mm. So there's a dramatic change in your life And obviously even some of the stuff that you used to say Just be a slave to Like just the rage and the anger That sometimes would come You know the frustrations That would be manifest in that way Those frustrations have been taken out of the way And even if you sometimes still get a little bit stressed You're coping so much better with that now mm, No I I've, I really get like caught up in it And much It doesn't like I, I stop it initially where it starts So I don't get stuck in this downward spiral That I used mm. to I found that I was able to just yeah, God lifted me out of this world, like whirlpool, and He was able to yeah, yeah, just to comfort me and to give me that strength that I needed in my time of need. So yeah, so what's actually happened is your worldview has changed significantly because you're still living the same life, you're still in the same family, you're still in the same environment. The environment hasn't changed, but you've changed, and your interpretation of the environment and the events around you is different now. Mm, no, I found that obviously, like I said, when I initially. Yeah, when I was younger, I didn't have that relationship with Christ. Mm. I I didn't actually know what His sacrifice meant to me, but now I knew that, and yeah, literally, I yeah, it changed my everything. And I, you didn't, you wouldn't, you just like as a kid, or like, yeah, as a young man, I didn't actually know. I, I wouldn't have thought much of that. I guess you get distracted by so much that's happening, and I just. It really is just amazing to see how God is able to work in my life. So yeah. Yeah, from a distance, as I said in the beginning of your testimony, it doesn't always look attractive. But as you start getting closer and you start experiencing it more, the more experience, the more you want, the more you taste, the more you see how good God is. And uh, he is uh, in the Bible referred to as Christ referred to as the desire of nations. Mm. Each of us have this desire for something better, and it's only Christ that can satisfy. And I'm so grateful for you bringing that out in your testimony. 
Okay, so you're uh, you finished HSC. Your life is different. You've got a different perspective. Are there any other highlights now since you've given your heart to the Lord that you can share with us? Well, I, I found this new desire to witness for the Lord. I think okay. that was, I think once I started to realize just how much the Lord's done for me, I just felt an an instantaneous compassion for others, and I felt like I needed to just to just to step up in my life and actually to to do things for others, which which I, I saw in need, and I guess the Lord, Lord opened the door for me to do amazing things. I was able to, what is it, only a year ago, I think, I was able to go door knocking and actually um, help around the community. I was I was going and selling, I was doing literature evangelist, I think. Oh, okay. Once. Yeah, and then I was I was able to, yeah, I did door knocking in my spare time throughout when I was studying last year. I was able to able to go around with another fellow Christian that we were able to, seven-day Adventist Christian, and we were able to, yeah, just be able to, yeah, give community surveys and see what their needs were and able to see if they would be interested in Christ. And and I was, yeah, I've, and I've been always always searching for more ways to share. And obviously there's, it's just amazing. I've been connected with so many different ministries and different things here. I've, mm. Yeah, obviously I've, I've been able to come along and share with you this morning. Every the praise the Lord that the God just led me so far. And yeah, I guess you never, you just, you never real. Yeah, I think God is willing to use you if you're willing to be used. I think I, I was willing to be, I was willing for God to just take me and to mold me into whatever He had for mm. me. And, mm. Yeah, it's incredible, you know, when you are filled with love, and this is the love of God that we know naturally have. We have other types of love. We have family love. We have love amongst equals. But this self-sacrificing love of Christ, which God pours into our hearts with the Holy Spirit, transforms and changes us from now living for self, now wanting to share and live for others and bless them. And this is what you're telling us. Mm. Not only that, it also transforms the way we look at the world. And uh, when we look at the world through those eyes of love, I mean, that is the greatest power and the greatest influence in the world is love. What kept Christ on the cross was not the nails. It wasn't the, the might of Rome. It wasn't the hatred of the Jews. It was his love for all of them, including us. And he could have, as God manifest in the flesh, he could have pulled those spikes out. He could have thought those spikes out if he wanted to. He could have annihilated all his enemies there at the time, but he wanted to save his enemies. Mm. And when you are motivated by this incredible force, this power, which is the power of Christ in our lives, it motivates us to do things we've never done before, to find a joy in things we've never find, found before, and then also to look at the world in a way we've never found before. So thank you for bringing that out. Um, you're, um, you're involved in ministry. You're also studying at the moment. How do you find you know, combining the two? Well, obviously, that's a that's always a problem. I think when when you're trying to do your live and do earn a living and to actually yeah to go forward and you have to yeah I think for me it's always it was just trying to be able to just trying to eliminate all the things that might be distractions and trying to obviously dedicate whatever time I have to the Lord. I think I think I've realized the more and more I've come into what is it to know Christ. I realize. There's so many distractions and things that are that are taking me away from him, and and I I can do I can obviously go and do what my studies, but it's not it's not a, not everything. That's not it's not like it takes up all my time. And mm. I think that if we ever think that other things are more important than Christ, I think then that's then we've got to really reevaluate ourselves. Sure. And I I think that's one thing I've always tried to commit myself to. I don't I never want to ignore him. I always want to make him first. And mm, amen. And that is the love of God that compels us in these areas, you know, because there are so many other things that would distract us. And if we don't 
keep Christ as a priority in regards to the spending time or first thing in the morning to pray and dedicate our lives to the Lord, other things will by nature creep in. Mm. But we're walking away from something so beautiful. Why would we? Consciously and logically, now that we've tasted the Lord, why would we ever want to do that? Dear listener, we're just going to take a break here and share our contact details with you. Thank you for uh, being here with us on By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio is Lewis Stratton. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, my special guest in the studio here has been Lewis Stratton. Lewis, now just as we wrap up the program, have you got some encouraging comments that you can share with our listener out there today? Well, obviously, as a disciple of Christ, I just wanted to share some practical principles that we could all use that, yeah, it's just to help us in our spiritual life. So, yeah, one thing that's really worked for me is just daily prayer and Bible study. It helps me mm. just refuel and yeah, to have the Holy Spirit empower me. And obviously, that's that's one of the keys to all the, um, revival in your life. And your Amen. P- and um, as well as that, I found that fellowship just with other believers. It also, as well as when you're feeling down, it gives you encouragement, and you can give encouragement back when someone else is down. Mm. It's like we just feed off each other. And I think as the church, we need to just yeah, the love we need to love each other before Amen. we can love others. But as well as that, yes, the last part of my life, the last part of this principle is the idea to outreach, to go out and to actually share your love with others. And mm. this means go in to preach to the poor, the sick, the naked, the blind, those people who are who are looking for just just for hope and trying try to reach them. I think one way that I always thought about it is just to think that love is an action. It's not something that we sit back and... That's when it really has meaning, when it's expressed in action. Exactly, Amen. and yeah. I think... Just Words look, and deeds. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I think if you just look at Christ, he's, he was never stationary. I think he's always looking for someone, and he's always... And in everything he does, he just wants to... Yeah, just to love and to share that, what he has for us all, because he... I think that the last thing he wants us he, he wants us all to be a part of his family and the longer we the longer we wait the the less we have opportunity to actually know of him and to experience that love that he has so yeah that's really that just sums up how I've been how my spiritual journey just grown exponentially I think it's just amazing that's just the way the lord is able to impress us and mm. to move us so I can see the love and enthusiasm in the way you're expressing these things. So, Lewis, thank you so much for coming to share with us. I never knew the Lewis from before, <laughs> but I could tell you from what you've described and what I see now, there's a world of difference between the two. So, dear listener, we pray that God will continue to guide, lead, and bless you as well in your walk and in your search for meaning. And we can tell you and we can guarantee to you that you'll find meaning in your existence only in Christ. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.